All right. Q disaster. That's not how we should walk into this. Nabisco. No. Q episode. Nabisco. All right. I just feel like we're going in like I'm not. I, I didn't think we we're gonna do this. That's it's good though, right? I think it's good. We'll see. It's we'll it's see. completely up to you. We don't have to. My children need attention. No, I'd, I'd very much like to. Let's so do let, it then. Here we go. All right. Hey everyone, ever, and welcome to Twentieth Century Popcast, the show where we try to make sense of the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins, and I am Bob Canning. How you doing, today, Tim? I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I uh, had a little sentence there, but I'm good. <laughs> Did right. I cut you off? I do that a lot. I'm not I, cut, well, I get so concerned really about your, your well-being, and then here you had something you wanted to say. I'm sorry. Well, I think what what happens there is you're very sincere in asking, even though we've been talking prior to recording. I have a script I'm working <laughs> for, on, two so for two hours. For two hours, so I didn't leave any space in there for Bob pretends to care. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm you know, I it's it's uh. It's it's what it's it's a random episode. <laughs> We're recording in an out of space or time, a backup episode. If you're hearing this episode, listener, chances are something went wrong in the episode we either had planned or the recording session we meant to record for fell apart. This is a can't call it a bonus episode, a backup episode. This is something we recorded to take the place of absence in a week where the show would have otherwise been. We're being very thoughtful to our listeners. We didn't want them to be without a mm-hmm. podcast, 20th podcast uh, for a week. And so we, we thought ahead and prepared this wonderful episode. Yeah. Do you think you'll listen to it? Me? Absolutely. Unless I'm the one that something happened to and, and couldn't record and I'm like unconscious or something. Something like that. But uh, but if not, yeah, here we go. So, and what we're gonna do for it? I think what we might, uh, as the show, we you know, we usually look at pop culture from our from our childhood. I'm just trying to catch up to the sentence you interrupted me from now. But here I am. Uh, today we're gonna look at some pop culture from our past uh, that we loved at the time, but then turned on and uh, hated something that we hated, you know, sort of that one thing in pop culture that captivated us for a few years until we could no longer stand it. And now we're probably even ashamed a little to, uh, to like it. Does that, does that ring true in terms of a topic? Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to admit to things that perhaps we wouldn't necessarily want to admit to liking at some point. That's better. That's much better. Cause yeah, hate was strong. You're right. Admit, we're going to admit to something. And um, I think to preface that very quickly, I mean, I, I think it's important to point out that human taste is not science. People like what they like, and it's not even always a choice. And what brings you joy or enjoyment or, or, or emotion or escape, um, if it does manage to do that for you, then it's in good taste. You know, if it's not threatening you or someone else's livelihood or, or comfort levels, uh, there's nothing harmful in liking a piece of pop culture. You know, and I think too often on this show, in my everyday life, on the internet, um, it's set up that certain aspects of pop culture are superior to others, you know, like Transformers to GoBots or Wes Anderson to Kevin Smith, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. These are matters of personal taste and opinion and uncontrollable internal joy. So just because I'm saying I hate something, you say you hate something, it's a selfish exaggeration and hopefully... We can back it up somehow, but that doesn't mean that it isn't art to someone else, and I can't invalidate that. You know, people like sports, people like fusion jazz, people like having kids, just because I don't see the same You joy. just named three things that I like, Tim. 
You like fusion jazz? I'm going to pretend I do for the point of this statement. Oh, that's right. Your your kids, Miles and Coltrane. I'm sorry. Are they they (laughs) back from squash yet? They, they, They are playing squash now. Yeah. But it's true, though, right? Like, I do you you seem, a, and I think the fact that I wrote out a sentence to explain that shows you're a little more understanding. Things that you don't like, do you hold that against other people that do I, like it? I don't. I don't uh, actively hold it against them. Certainly, it it probably plays a, a subconscious sort of role in how I view them. Um, oh. But no, nah, generally, no, I don't really hold it against anybody if they like something mm-hmm. I don't. That's just how it is. Oh, good. No, I mean that, and that's how it should be. I, well, why I won't you have children, that. Tim? Right now? Yes. Here no, in this kidding. room? Not I mean, at all. If, I guess if somebody afterwards will sit on this chair, sure, then they will. No. I, I think what I meant was I, and I'm, I'm thinking of like Facebook and stuff, and the, and I know we've talked about this at least not on the microphone before, but like sometimes in a, a Facebook feed, if if I'm seeing constant people posting about something that I'm not connected to, maybe that's what it is. Someone likes something or is into something that I can't connect to. It may not be so much that I think it's that they're foolish for liking it. It's just I don't want to hear about it because I can't relate. Sure. You know, I want to, you know, it's selfish. I want to talk about my thing. Yeah. And I like, I actually very much like kids and I like hearing about them to a point. Um, I don't know what it is to be a mother or a father, you know, that role, that, that position. And so I do like hearing about it with close friends. I think when the conversation is more and more parents, I think just because I don't, that's not about the kid to me anymore. That's about them as a parent. And sometimes maybe that's hard for me. I may not be, even when you and I talk, cause I, I do like hearing you, how you relate to your girl's through the pop culture that we talk about. I enjoy that realm of it for you to, and I don't know, I don't think you do, have done this. If you were to talk to me about aspects of you as the father, as a friend, I think I would listen and I would connect to the points that seem familiar, but I don't think I would have enough of a grounding to totally get it. Right. The way that I assume you talking to friends of yours with kids probably would. Yeah. And I, I guess in my mind, I'm translating that as, something negative or something I'm not doing something right but yeah what am I going to tell you what's going to really matter that I could tell you about raising kids because I've never done it understood so don't have kids I can't I'm going to throw this I'm going to burn this chair but the talk about people maybe <laughs> raising kids in a segue of sorts, what uh, what's from your childhood? I mean, I, I, I'm guessing we're both reaching back to maybe the 80s on this one, 1980s, um, maybe pre-high school. Yeah, 80s, and, and actually the thing, I, I, I don't know if I followed this into the 90s. I must have a little bit. Uh, but yeah, something that I enjoyed as a child, I don't know if I was like a super fan necessarily, but I certainly watched every episode, every, I think it was Friday night. Um that I really don't care for now was Full House. The ABC sitcom the Full ABC House. The ABC sitcom Full House premiered in 87, ran through, I think, 95, 96, something like, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I would watch Full House uh, every week. I enjoyed the uh, comedy and adventures that they, they would get into. There was cool Uncle Jesse. There was... <laughs> there was uh, funny uncle joey and there was normal bob saget i forget what his name was on the show uh, danny tanner. danny tanner thank you um and then i was about the kid's age the oldest uh i was about 12 or 13 i think when it 
came on and and I think that's how old DJ was. Maybe she was a little younger than that. Uh, hmm. And then there was Stephanie and uh, the kid, which I'm drawing a blank on. Um, I had written this down on another sheet of paper, but uh, I don't have that with me. What was the kid's name? Oh, the Olsen twins child? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm embarrassed too. Wow. <laughs> I mean, but I don't this is it okay. Was it's okay not to remember it now because turns out ultimately as I grew up, it's not a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was your typical cheesy sitcom of that era where, where everything was right at the end. Um, the, the jokes were lame. Michelle, by the way, was Michelle. The Michelle. Thank Sorry. you. Um, and you know, they relied so much on, catchphrases and their little bits michelle saying uh you got it dude was a thing (laughs) she did when she could start to talk and stephanie i think said that's rude when someone did jar jar binks of the family oh see so we all know it's just not good yeah so full house i would watch it every friday the whole family and i guess that makes sense because it's a family show it was yeah, during we talked a couple of, you know, or whenever this airs, we've talked about the Brady Bunch before. This is a similar show. Yeah. That, yeah. So did. it was it was a harmless show. It was OK to watch. I don't know if it was necessarily the thing every 13 year old boy was doing, but it was <laughs> what I was doing on Friday nights. I liked the other shows that surrounded it. And maybe I liked them a bit more, too. At that time, Perfect Strangers was on at that time. And I got a kick out of that. But again, it's a safe show. There wasn't anything. Um, edgy about any of these programs. Um, but I, th- I don't know, as I grew and discovered other programming, um, other types of entertainment, the show just started really rubbing me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you a fan of Full House? Not, not a large one. I mean, I've seen it. I, th- I think when it first premiered, like it was mostly on Friday nights, I believe. And I didn't care for the TGI Friday, that block. By that point, I don't think I was watching anymore. Like I had stopped watching Perfect Strangers by the time it moved to Friday nights. I was never a fan of Full House and Family Matters where I would see him every week. Um, I think one of those shows probably bumped off Mr. Belvedere, which might have been why I held a grudge because that used to be on oh. Friday nights. I remember Full House for maybe its first season. I think it aired Tuesday nights or something like, and I remember probably just because it aired between shows I enjoyed. It might have been after Growing Pains, or in that block of time, or Who's the Boss, or something like that, because um, I think those are all ABC shows. So I saw it, but it's not something I followed. You know, I know the setup of it. The thing is, it it does resemble a lot of shows of the time. I mean, just yeah. I think there's a changing, like, it's interesting to have a family of all men raising a child. That should have seemed interesting to me. People working together should have seemed interesting to me. The morbidity of the the, the, the death of Danny's wife should have appealed to me. Like all <laughs> That, those would, things that would have appealed would have... to you. Dead wives was a thing you were into? Well, I think, I, um, I think I've expressed in the show before. I have a huge fandom and fan fiction of, of just throwing people in, in trunks that have the deceased. No, I, I, I think that there would have been something like that should... Right. Well, I mean, look at the Brady Bunch. Mike Brady's wife died. Yeah. I don't know her name. And they acknowledge it on one episode, and that's it. But that gives a little weight to the story. I think yeah. Danny's loss is acknowledged many times. But the, the show, yeah, it's it's a traditional sitcom show. Smart, alecky, bratty kids who, who are using language of adults because it's written by adults. You've got the perfect archetypes of the cool guy and the jokey guy. And you're right, Danny Tanner is sort of the... The straight man to all of that. Yeah. Got wacky neighbors and you probably have some pets. So it's not like it was unique. 
Why yeah. do you think well, this show? Well, I was going to just add to that. It's like um, my memory of it actually is that the pilot episode, and this can go one way or the other, where the pilot um, is a good representation of what the show will be, or it evolves from what they thought it was going to be. And I think for Full House, it evolved from what they thought it was going to be. Because I, I remember the pilot being kind of interesting and, and decent. And basically it was a riff of off of the movie Three Men and a Baby. And yeah, so it was, it was more about the parents. Yeah, so know, it was three men adults. and three babies, three kids, um, all yeah, girls. I remember that fucking scene in the commercials where it's like super absorbent and they wrap the baby up in the paper towel because yeah. she pees herself. And people are applauding because it's guys taking care of a baby. Like I remember that. Yeah, setup, but yeah. I think that one my mom over, we watched it together, that kind of thing. And it didn't, be, it didn't, it wasn't about that. It became just a normal sort of, uh, you know, like all those other shows you mentioned, uh, Who's the Boss? Uh, just your safe Friday night sitcom fair mm-hmm. uh, where but it could have been a little edgier. It could have been edgier. It could have been more about the adults. I feel like it became more about the kids. Maybe yeah. just as they got grew into their roles and all. Um, again, I, you know it more than I do. So maybe I'm wrong in that statement, but to think, you know, when we came into this, the idea was, you know, pick something from your childhood that you definitely turned on. Why is this what you went to seeing how it's, again, it's not a unique show. There's other existing shows. Why does this one stand out instead of, say, Perfect Strangers or Family Matters or Who's the Boss? What is it about Full House that made you think, that's a show I loved and now I don't? And I have this reaction, not as averse as maybe as I'm making it out to be, but why why Full House as a representation of shows you move on from? Uh, well, I think because you discover, and I discovered, um, better comedy and better uh, characters from Full House. And... and when you discover that those funnier bits, um, you kind of look back on something like this and are disappointed in yourself for having been so, uh, like laughing at Joey Gladstone doing the cut it out (laughs) hand signal sign thing where he cuts and points and then does his thumb to get out, you know, cut it out. Uh, Oh, I know it. Yeah. Was to me, that was like really, really funny. And it's not like, Kids funny, like, oh, I really enjoyed the gummy bears when I was a kid. But yeah, now I know there's better stories and better animation and whatnot or or Smurfs and, and they get better where it's like I understood this to be for a kid. I, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed Full House as a primetime television show. And it turns out I could have been watching better primetime television shows at that time because at that uh, hour or just in general just in general i guess it's like i i couldn't go back and tell you what was on at that time other you than were, you were a kid like it sounds like you were i was, thir- that was 13 you uh, know um and i probably watched it for three seasons pretty regularly um mm-hmm. yeah but it's just it, it's a little embarrassing i guess is why i've turned on it is when you go back and you watch it again and you're like, oh god, that's really groan-inducing. That joke, or the constant way that kid—that kid's so annoying. Why did I find that kid endearing at some point? That kid's just annoying. The uh, Kimmy Gibbler as the the neighbor um, <laughs> was like, why isn't someone just telling that kid to stop coming over and speaking to their parents <laughs> and saying we don't want to interact with you or your family anymore? Um, it's just, uh, yeah. So it's sort of just, you know, you're, you grow and you learn and you discover other things and you realize 
um, that wasn't as good as I thought it was. Now, is that reaction like to talk about what you're saying about the character of Kimmy Gibbler? Because I think most most shows had the the neighbor character at that time. You know, yeah. they had Stephen Urkel. I would think of. I think Blossom Ugh. had a neighbor who came in. Um, Hogan family had a neighbor who came in. Do you Skippy while you were watching it? Skippy is probably the prototype for what I would right. know. I know that people predate him, but that's what I would think. That realization, say that Kimmy is annoying, is that something you had while watching it, or is that coming as an adult? You go back on a rerun, and suddenly it hits you. Ah, oh, this character is annoying. Like, did you think that while watching it? You know, I probably thought it while watching it with Kimmy, um, but it was the other characters and the other jokes and the other setups that I realized were just as bad. Uh, as I got older. So you kind um, of aged out of it probably because it kept going yeah. after uh, you didn't cancel this show the way you canceled Misfits of Science. No, no. I tried to not watch it eventually and it kept running. Um, Do you remember what you maybe went to, what it might've led you to like shows that would have followed up? Like what's a better show than Full House that you were watching? Oh gosh. I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I, I'd have to really look at that. Cause I don't remember watching a lot of, sitcoms as a kid mm-hmm. um i mean I, I watched around that like i watched a lot of abc because you mentioned everything i used to watch um who's the boss uh what was the other one on abc you mentioned mr belvedere i watched uh, gro- yeah. growing, pains. growing pains yep i watched that um yeah i have to kind of go back and, and see uh what what shows came after yeah. um because i really don't have a strong memory of sitcoms until I kind of got into late high school uh, and college. And those are very different from family sitcoms. Like, you're not talking like Home Improvement or something like that. You're you're just more like Cheers, Friends, shows like that. Yeah, yeah. Reruns of Cheers I got into Mm -hmm. um, at that age. Yeah, I I mean, that's a nice... I think sitcoms, Full House would have aired just like a year or two before I started really noticing, I think, yeah, adult-themed sitcoms. And that's a big step. And I think in high school to suddenly follow something like Cheers or for me, it was that show Anything But Love with Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis I mentioned a lot. It's maybe it's hard to go back. You know, it's kind of like, you know, once you hit high school and you're a teen, you're for me, at least it's thinking moving forward. I'm moving forward. I'm an adult. I'm as an adult as I'll ever be is the thoughts that start happening. So you find the programming like that. If you latch on to something like Cheers, you know, or, or the John Larroquette show or Seinfeld or whatever it is you're watching, Full House, yeah, does feel different because I think at that point I would have been trying to distance myself from family in a way. You know, yeah. I want to be my own individual. And these shows that aren't about family kind of preach to that or, or play to that. Do you watch reruns of Full House with your daughters? Are they I, into it? I don't. And actually, I was just thinking about that. It's like it's hard to go back to. Um, no, I I have no interest in watching reruns of Full House with my daughters. However... I was interested in watching reruns of the gummy bears with my daughters um, that I, <laughs> we've, we've watched a couple episodes there. So it's like, because I think I understood what gummy bears was and what it was for. And you can go away from it, find better things, but still understand that gummy bears was for kids. Whereas like full house, um, it's hard to go back to because yeah, okay, maybe it is for kids, but it's also for the adults. And in that respect, it's, is it's it for adults. It's What's for adults on Full House. It was though. I mean, it's a it's a show on a prime time television. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not for adults. Maybe it was just for like preteens. But um, yeah, I have no interest in going back to it. No interest at all. Yeah. I didn't have any interest in watching the 
Netflix reboot of it. Um, yeah, not even as either. like nostalgia. It's I don't care. I wouldn't say I hate it, but I certainly mm-hmm. have no interest in Full House anymore. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think I was attached to it beginning with that you were. Um, I definitely never went back to watch reruns. I, it, there is, it's strange now in talking about it. There was a little comfort of it existing. Like I wasn't watching nece- necessarily those shows Friday nights. I think my sister was. So having them on in the background or hearing them, I guess there was something comforting about that. I have, you know, I've seen reruns since, and everyone's the adults are good on it. Like I have to say, John Stamos is a. I like him as an actor, and he's good on that show. I mean, that's you know, that's an obnoxious role to play. The cool, the cool guy, the Fonzie character, yeah, the Fonzie is obnoxious character. when you really think that that person has to keep doing the. But he's scene like, scene. he's good in that. Yeah, he is good in that, and it, and it's surprising because he's just the most ridiculous character. Not only is he the <laughs> coolest character, he is got the coolest hair and acknowledges that he's with all the babes, and he mentions and talks to them as being babes. Um, he drives a motorcycle. He's in a band. He's absolutely everything that's cool that that I guess a 13-year-old kid might think is cool. Um, At that time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to, to pull that off with, with some sincerity is, is an accomplishment. I mean, I guess to watch it now, the only thing that I can, because I've, again, seen a few here and there is, since then, learning about Bob Saget as a comedian. <laughs> this is true. Learning about Bob Saget as this kind of dirty man hilarious persona it's interesting to have that in your mind as you're watching the show because again he is sincere at least how it's edited but now there's this other layer of okay this was a money gig yeah and also he's probably loathing himself (laughs) or finding it incredibly entertaining to be doing this you know i think he found it incredible i don't know i haven't spoken to him about it but i would imagine he found it incredibly entertaining and like remembering some of the facial expressions the way he would smile and stand there to me, it's creepy. It, yeah, it's creepy. But to me, I'm just thinking in his head. He's thinking, "This is so utterly ridiculous," and I'm getting paid to do this. And uh, yeah, I think he found it oddly entertaining. And I think it probably helped. It helps his act in that I think kids who grew up with the show, as they get older, can like yourself, can find him as what he is now. And I think there is there is kind of an Andy Kaufman duality to that, which was the most pretentious sentence I've said on the show since we've started. <laughs> um, that it, I don't know, that is kind of interesting. We should we should uh, promote this episode as the Andy Kaufman duality episode. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really. Confidence, Tim. But you returned to Brady Bunch episodes, right? Do you still watch the Brady Bunch? Yeah, I could time? watch the Brady Bunch again. I haven't with my kids, but I could. Um, What's the difference with like that, I wonder? Like, I'm just wondering, why is this particular sitcom? I think maybe because, in, from my point of view growing up, uh, the Brady Bunch to me was made for kids. Now that might not have been the case. It's very similar to what the Full House turned out to be. Uh, a primetime comedy, family comedy, kind of uh, subpar when it comes to actual characters <laughs> and writing. But I saw the Brady Bunch as a child in afternoon reruns and thought it was for children. Um, and so I think that may be why it's it's easier to go back to and not be disappointed with the quality of it um, and the dialogue and the jokes because I enjoyed them as a kid because I thought it was for kids. Um, something about Full House being uh, a modern show for, you know, a, a grown-up audience. I mean, yes, it's a family show, but it's like it's it's 
I realized that it was a program that people were putting effort into for <laughs> for primetime air, uh, selling commercials, and I liked it at the time. And I think realizing that it was, you know, something that that took a lot to to make, and it was made for not just kids, but for the whole family. And then learning, you know, discovering other things and coming back to it and realizing that's what they decided to to put their effort into. Huh? <laughs> not really. Huh, I'm I'm a little disappointed with myself for supporting them for so long. That's yeah. I don't I don't know if I fully understand that still because I feel like you're the same age watching both of these shows. I would wonder if your daughters or or, or people of a later generation, you know your daughter's age or maybe even a little older if they find full house the way you found the brady bunch if they find it in reruns and can view it as this cap time capsule of that's what the 90s were or what a ridiculous show like i wonder how it's viewed now yeah and if it is sort of the next brady bunch and then what follows that like i guess i could every absolutely see that, that yeah show. i could absolutely see that that's exactly the sort of experience i did have with the brady bunch i could see that happening with my girls um and th- thinking about it in that respect, I'm now kind of realizing no one else in my family ever watched the Brady Bunch with me. My mom didn't. My grandparents didn't. My my aunt, the the grownups in my life when I watched the Brady Bunch weren't jumping and being like, oh, it's this show, the Brady Bunch. I watched this, too. And they weren't sitting down and watching it with me. Much huh. like I wouldn't sit down and watch Full House with my girls if they discovered it. All right. Well, um, it's as a segue, I guess, over. Yeah, because uh, we're, we're talking family entertainment. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's, as a kid, that is, at least for me, and it sounds like for you, I mean, I guess I gravitated at first towards things that represented the family because living in a family, that's probably what my parents wanted me to experience. It's also probably what was most readily available. So, yeah, a lot of the shows I would watch were family-based. A lot of the things I experienced at first was family-based, and so... When it came time to finding something that I adored and loved for a period of my life and now can't stand and have washed my hands of, um, I came up with The Family Circus. Um, The Family Circus, it's a single panel comic strip originally drawn by an uh, artist, Bill Keen. It's uh, now continued by his son, Jeff Keen. It debuted in 1960, 15 years before I would have seen it or... Yeah, 15 or 20 years before I guess I would have seen it. Yeah. But um, it's basically, it follows a family of six. The dad, the mom, uh, Billy, Dolly, Jeffy, and PJ are the kids. They have a dog, a cat, a grandmother, a dead grandfather, and, and, and some strange mythical beings called gremlins and I guess God are all characters, uh, you know, in this strip. And it was, it was, you know, it was just, it was every day in the comics, there would be the circle. And then it would be a little illustration and they were just innocent little captions at the bottom, you know, um, something like, uh, in a minute, it always takes too long. And it's the kid with the mom and it's kind of like, oh, okay, you're supposed to, you know, things you could easily clip and put on your refrigerator, things you could show someone and be like, oh, isn't that what it's like to have a family or something? And I think for comic strips and, and comics in general, that's an easy thing for a five-year-old or six-year-old to read. And we had a couple of the collections, you know, the books where there's a panel per page. Were those yours or were they the family's? They somehow wound up in a room. I don't know where I got them. I had, yeah, three or four that wound up as mine. Also, the library had them, so we'd, I would take them out a lot. So, yeah, I, I pursued this strip a lot, yeah. I think. You know, it, it was easy to read. It was easy to memorize. It was always at the fucking library, so I could, I could sign them out whenever. 
And it was just, it was a quick thing to get through. I was getting into comic strips. I think Peanuts, I obviously would have liked because of Snoopy and then whatever else was on the page, I'd probably make my way through. But I always remember Family Circus. And again, people in a family. I have a vivid memory of our, my family taking a trip to Washington, D.C. one summer as the summer trip. And it happened to coincide within the Family Circus. They were taking a trip to Washington, D.C. around the same time. So there was these strange parallels suddenly where it's like it's a comic strip of what we're going through. Did you read the Family Circus? Were you a fan or at least a follower of it? I was. I did enjoy the Family Circus um, and the the comics in general. Obviously, as a kid, that's what you go to when the newspaper is out. Uh, but yeah, just mm-hmm. like you were saying, the Peanuts Family Circus. Um, I don't know if it was earlier or later, but I liked Mother Goose and Grimm. Um, that was. I, I feel that would have been at least for me. That would have been much later. Yeah. I think those kind of strips. Yeah, because that's that's a more adult themed, or at least a more intellectual and clever or strip i mean family circus was pretty (laughs) ground level you can get it as a kid um which i think might have been the attraction to it exactly one thing it would do weekends on sundays it would kind of break tradition of the single panel and you would get some of the i guess and it's weird these things do stick in my mind like you'd get um a comic strip where it's like Billy's walking around town and there'd be this dotted line that kind of traced it through an illustration of the environment of everywhere he's been. Those were the best. Or you, I enjoyed those for some reason, or you'd get one where it's like, it's a ex- picture of an exasperated, the mom fell, I think was her name, looks exasperated and the kids are surrounding her all holding dirty laundry. And there's just 19 different word bubbles of the kids all talking at once kind of surrounding her. So it's like a bunch of little one liners of kids and that's kind of encroaching on her. And that, for some reason, impacted me. Like, I remember ripping that idea off. In the second grade, I did a little art project of this alligator cartoon I created called Al. It was a comic strip. And I did a section with those kind of word bubbles because I was like, that's a lot. That's how you show like a cacophony. Like, I learned a little bit. Like, that yeah. seemed to show something. So they would do that. They had this reoccurring character called Not Me, which was this invisible ghost-like character. Well, they drew it, but it was invisible to the rest of the world. And it would be like, who broke my, you know, somebody threw a, a ball into my lamp. And the kids would be, not me. And you would see this weird spectral creature, not me, kind of laughing as it walked away because it threw the ball into the lamp. Yep. That's creepy, though. Yeah. I mean, that seems very out of tune. It's a comic <laughs> strip. It's weird spectral haunting. Um, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed that. What I didn't enjoy, and this is kind of probably the first thing that sort of turned me off of the comic strip, and I don't think I realized it at first, but you know, so but as I got to be around nine or ten, and I was becoming more aware of things, Family Circus, um, God made a lot of appearances in the Family Circus. God's hand was there. Specifically, I remember a comic strip, and it was a circle, but it was a split with a line in the middle. I think it was a picture of their dad was on a business trip and it was the kids at home with their mom and their mom being like, well, I hope someone's looking out for your father or oh no, I think they were praying to God. They were like, please watch out for our dad and keep him safe on his business trip. And the other part of the panel was a picture of the dad about to cross the street in the rain and this invisible hand holds him back or pushes him back as a car rushes by is how it's drawn. And the implication being we prayed to God and God saved our dad's life. And for some reason that turned me on the strip. That seemed preachy and silly. I, you know, it's similar to the, that, those Ziggy comic strips where he'd be watching a sunrise and he'd be shouting, Go God! Yeah. I don't know. Something about that brought me out of the comic strips. Gave me a weird a weird feel. I don't know. I, just, I didn't like something that was suddenly mixing in religion, especially at that point in my life. Were you religious at that time? Were like, did you go to church? I mean, we, or? 
we went to church every Sunday. I, I don't know if that, I mean, that doesn't make you religious. There's a community at the church. It's important to my parents. Religion has always played an important role that I remember in my parents' life in the sense that they like the community of that gathering. And I get that. You know, it's, it's a congreg- congregational church. You can congregate at the building. And, you know, it gives you a system of, of, of values to live by. And it creates a guidance and threat of hell to make you behave. But no, I wasn't. I wasn't buying like as a kid. Yeah, I thought, oh, there's a God and this isn't this scary if he can. It was always a he for some reason, uh, obvious reasons, matriarchs or patriarchal society. But it was always this idea of just it was a fear thing. You know, oh, I don't want to disappoint God. Oh, what if I make God mad? And just fortunately, before I got over it, that started to bother me. And then eventually I got over it. So, no, I wasn't I wasn't really seeking out religious things. I like it as mythology and stories maybe, mm. you know, but I did not care for it as a practice. So that that just irked me a little bit. Were you religious growing up? Were you a church going? Yeah, I guess it was sort of the same. I wasn't religious. Um I didn't necessarily believe in everything. Uh but yeah, we were church going. Um I actually had a, a moment where I sort of really turned on the church. I can't remember what age I was. Um, but I remember that the, the pastor or minister or reverend, whatever they're called, I know they're different names for different sex or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it was on uh, mother's day, Sunday, mother's day, and was giving a sermon uh, about the importance of family and the importance of, of, uh, husbands and wives and mothers and fathers on mother's day. And I'm sitting next to my single parent mother during all of this. And I, I just, that was like a very distinct moment for me it was like, no, church isn't for me. I don't believe what this guy is saying. It doesn't make any sense. I literally, and I was young and this is why I didn't do it. Cause I think I was too young to do it, but had I been a little older, I was thinking about getting up and leaving in the middle of that. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Because it's not reflecting your life. No. Why go to something that doesn't reflect your yeah, life? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have space and, for your and life. And it doesn't, and it, it just wasn't true to how the world really was, you know? And yeah, so that wasn't, uh, it didn't, you ask if I'm religious. No, I'm not religious. Yeah, it doesn't work for where you are. And again, I'm, not trashing religion. No. It does really mean something to a lot of people. Yeah. But I think if you're finding that there's no space for you in it, be it in how it speaks or even just it isn't offering, yeah, there's no reason to stick around with it. I I had a moment in our church. I think this is what did it for me. And I was probably nine years old, eight years old when this happened. In the middle of the service, there was always the children's message. And all the kids would come down to the front of the church and the minister would come down from his pulpit. Right. Or her pulpit we had that as well. At the time. Yeah. And, you know, they would have a little thing for the kids, you know, a little lesson. And I don't know the whole setup, but, you know, in varying times, there'd be a lot of kids. It would just be a couple or whatever. But a question, I think he was like, you know, ask me anything today. You know, if you have any questions, ask questions. You know, let's make this a question answer session or whatever. And to this day, because the story sounds staged, (laughs) it's in my memory, so I hope it's real. I don't know what prompted me to raise my hand, but I raised my hand and he called on me. And, 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 you know, as, as my little self, I asked along the lines of if we are all sons of God, I would have used just a male dominated son term at the time. If we're all sons of God, how is Jesus 
God's son was the question I asked, basically. I, I couldn't make, because, you know, there's this idea that we are the sons and daughters of God. God is the father is probably where I was getting that right. from. But then he has one son. So I just asked that question. And would I remember the response being, if there was more to the story, we'll never know, because who fucking cares. But um, he kind of laughed. He's like, oh, isn't that amazing? He said, or something like, that's a good question. It's always important to keep asking questions. And then he went on to some other kid. Mm-hmm. Didn't give me any. Right. Not that he had to, because what are you going to explain metaphors to children? I don't know. But that clicked in my mind because it didn't add up and it didn't answer my question. And I didn't have the rallying feeling of just walking out that you had. You know, I don't think it was like that, but it definitely was kind of like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Right. This doesn't talk to me. And it was just disenchantment. And that probably coincided with this comic strip. I mean, the family circus. Had, was one of the only things I think I was reading or, or seeing that had these religious overtones because it was that was kind of absent I feel like from TV once I started watching it you know most of the stuff we watched and, and encountered and that you know, our parents would read to us wasn't in any way really tied into religion maybe the Chronicles of Narnia but I didn't get that at the time but uh, the Family Circus yeah uh, on top of that it was just boring to me you know I I, I think I started seeing shows like Growing Pains. Mr. Belvedere, you know, on TV, you know, that were about families and they would have like the wise ass kid, you know, the quipping parents, supposedly real world escapades. And and the family circus didn't have that, you know, I guess the oldest is supposed to be the smart aleck one, but it was just dull observations with cute appeal, you know, and it was, and it just, I felt a distance from it yeah, because it wasn't exciting. <clears throat> it wasn't a family I wanted to be a part of. And outside of identifying, Hey, we're on a trip at the same time. I never felt like I'm Jeffy. I'm built like I didn't have a favorite one. Yeah. And I think at that same time, the more I got to reading, it is one panel. I started getting more into comics, stuff like Garfield uh, was probably the start. But then, you know, like finding something like Bloom County and finding Calvin and Hobbes, which were smarter, you know, above my understanding probably at the time. But they right. had animal characters. They were surreal. You know, I, I didn't want a real world family anymore. You know, it just seems so goofy. You know, yeah. and, and, and it seems so simplistic to these three panels. You know, there was, again, there was always Peanuts. Charlie Brown and Snoopy, I always adored and continue to. So that's that's its own thing. But, you know, it's nice because Family Circus led me to other comic strips. I think because I would zero in on that, I slowly became aware of the other comic strips around it. And, I you know, I love comics, so that's nice. But it just seemed so... It was so sickeningly dull. Yeah, and and in my paper, um, when it was eventually released and came into my paper, um, because they were both single panel, I would have Family Circus next to the far side. Oh, God, right? And the juxtaposition juxtaposition of those two um, comics that have completely different uh, viewpoints of the world... um, that did did that come to you? Did you like have that moment? Yeah, because no, it, uh, yeah, the far side, far side is most brilliant. The first piece of surrealness I probably ever encountered and really got as being surreal, even just its placement. You're right, in the paper was part of the joke. I mean, and I think this is, I think in one of the far side books, Gary Larson talks about this having actually happened, but yeah, I used to flip in my mind the captions. You know, I'd put the family circus caption with the far side picture in my right. mind, and the far side moment with the family. Circus. Probably because I read it in the book first, maybe, but and it's just like that worked. 
that showed me something. You know, I started making fun of the one sentence bit. Like I understood that you can make fun of the stupid comic strip or silly comic strip, family circus. Sorry, stupid is the wrong way. Yeah. But yeah, Far Side blew my mind. That was another one that just showed me what you could do because it's just, you know, like you said, you look at the page, they're both single panel. They both have the caption underneath. They're both comic strips. Shouldn't they work the same? Apartment 3G works just like Mary Worth. Why wouldn't these? And I think Family Circus definitely got me to see the far side. I mean, I, I got to see all the, I probably would have found comics somehow, but Family Circus did lead me to that page. And that impacted me, and that's good. But, yeah, it's just when I think of maturing and going out on my own, you know, even as a child, I feel like leaving Family Circus, leaving Garfield behind, getting out of those things, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's good. Yeah, and I think there's the, – the difference I think here is that, yeah, as you grow, you discover new things, you become older, your viewpoints change – you're not going to go back to the same thing you were watching as, as a kid. But I think what we're talking about here are two two um, pieces of pop culture that we don't return to and don't want to return to and don't want – like in my case, I don't want my children to return to it. I have collections of Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side, Bloom County, and that's what I'm showing to my kids. Um, the Peanuts, I'll show that to them. Uh, absolutely. I'm I'm not going to make sure that they see some family circus. If they see it, great. But but they brought it to you. Would you tolerate it? Um, eh, probably family circus. I'm not as turned off by family circus. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I probably would, I would tolerate, tolerate it. it. I would tolerate it, and I'd probably tolerate it just like I would tolerate the Full House because I I get now I understand that they have to have this experience they have to see things that are that we might consider at, at at our age level and experience level subpar because it'll help them appreciate the next thing and the next thing i mean that's how i view yeah. it and i think that's important and useful but again it goes back to like at the beginning there are people obviously people still read the family circus or wouldn't still be around obviously full house that still has a following some of that might be more ironic but i feel like this, these things do click with someone. True. And I wouldn't have turned on Family Circus as quickly maybe if I didn't have the experience with religion that kind of twisted me on that. You know, I, I, It's odd to me when I think about how much I did love the strip and how much I read the books and why did I find it funny. But I think to really look at so many things as a child, I could be asked, why did you find this funny? But that it's, it, it does seem impactive. These things do seem impactive in a way. And it would be interesting to know, well, yeah, what will your kids like? Do they already have something that they used to like that they're not into anymore? Do you find stuff that you remember having to be like buy for your kids or, or watch with your kids that they don't want to be a part of anymore? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, there's certainly things that they've gotten tired of and they might not play with or watch for a while. But then, you know, they'll pick it up again in, in a few months. Uh, another year um so no i haven't seen anything that they're just literally no i'm done with that that's that's nothing i want to be a part of anymore that hasn't come up yet how old how old is your oldest nine i wonder if okay see that and again it's not the same for everyone i'm thinking like with toys like i definitely had a turning point where certain toy lines were no longer of interest and we talked about this 
a while back on the He-Man episode, but like, you know, I tired of He-Man toys when something like Transformers came along and then I would move to something after that. Like I, it, it happens and it, it's a natural progression and sometimes it's just something is new. I'd be curious to what it was that maybe one of your daughters gets tired of first because it happens and yet probably not for everyone. Cause again, family circus doesn't impact everyone the way it impacted me. I think everyone can agree. It's funny to give it different captions or it's simplistic because of its captions. I mean, I think that's a real world uh, thing, but it, again, it's not even a second thought for a lot of people. Yeah. That said, I have a little game. Ooh. I was curious if you wanted to play. I will give this a it's, shot. Um, you want to give it a shot? It's called Three Ring Family Circus. Okay. Um, you know, again, it's a single panel, single caption comic strip. Uh, sometimes it feels like it can write itself. Uh, what I wanted to do was I'm, I'm going to read to you three uh, possible captions from an actual family circus comic strip. Two of the sentences I read are real. Uh, one is false, and I just wanted to see if you could peg which one is the is the false. All right, one. we're going to go for false captions. Okay. So here's the first set of three three uh, possible captions from the family circus. All right. I want to talk to Grandma, but PJ won't stop hugging her. <laughs> okay. At Grandma's house, she has cookies in the living room. Grandma, this chili you made isn't chili at all. Whoa. Which one do you think is? This is this is is a theme. It's grandma. This is very hard. Um, yeah. The I think the hugging one is real. Mm-hmm. So it's the other two that that sort of throw me. Um, the chili one seems pretty pretty spot on. Family circus. The middle one about cookies in the living room is the one that I think is fake. Yeah, good job. All right. You sound like a fan. That's right. That one was fake. That was fake. Uh, Grandma's house. She may have cookies in the living room, but they never, I don't know if they ever went to Grandma's house. I think she always visited them. So that might have been the giveaway. Ooh. Hey, if, if that's the only one I get right, I, I feel like I've accomplished something today. Well, I don't want to call this an accomplishment, but we're, we'll keep going. Here's, uh, here's three more possible captions from uh, the, the family circus. I know there's a country called Turkey. I wonder if there's one called Chicken. <laughs> Golf's pretty easy. You just hit the ball, lean to the side, and say four. What's the moon's number? I want to call it on this telescope. I think I'm, I'm going to go with telescope is fake. It seemed pretty high tech. Yeah, I think that was a little too too above their, their level of, of punniness. Yes, good for you. That's two for two. Yes, you're absolutely right. The telescope, uh, what's the moon's number? I want to call it on this telescope is a false All right. Oh, and turkey and chicken, that's that's just funny, Tim. Uh, so here's another one. Okay. We'll keep going. No one's getting tired of this, I'm sure. <laughs> um, mommy, are these long short pants or short long pants? Guess what, Mommy? Daddy is in the bedroom copying down your sizes. Mommy says zippers are like teeth for your pants. <laughs> teeth for your pants. I don't know if... And these are all kind of clothing-based yeah. ones, maybe. Something with clothes. Kids not understanding clothing. You got short, long, long, short pants. I don't think they would do got, teeth uh, for your pants because there's a lot of innuendo there. Um, mm-hmm. So... so oh. I guess there is some... Yeah. Well, innuendo, I guess, would give it away. If they, I'm, okay. I'm saying so, that's the false one. Teeth... For your pants. What a detective. Yes, <laughs> you're right. 
You're right again. It's that's three for three. That's wonderful. Only three more to go, everybody. <laughs> they might get a little harder. Maybe not, though. I mean, you seem to know the strip pretty well. It's wholesome. I think it's. I find it's funny because they're all so wholesome. It's very hard to. Yeah, tell. it's it's. But, yeah, this isn't easy. I don't really think hard. I'm like I'm. No. I think I'm maybe guessing quite well, but uh, they're they're. They're all fit. Yeah, we'll keep it up. Here comes another. All right. One. All right. Heaven is a great hug that lasts forever. That's, when we say that's grace, the false one. we look at that's false. I don't even that's the false one, right? Now are you talking about in practice or in or in, in title? In title. That's you don't want to hear the other ones? I do want to hear the other ones, but I, I oh. wanna just that's I'm confident that that's the false one. That one is. Okay. So the second one's thinking keeping in mind that I guess you're saying heaven is a great hug that lasts forever is false. Uh, when we say grace, do we look up to heaven or down at our food? All that white stuff in the backyard must be God's old faithful come. <laughs> so you're saying, saying heaven is a great hug? Yeah, the last That's forever. the one? Because there's hug, there's there's that saying grace, and then there's one with the backyard. <laughs> I'm still going to say the hug. Okay. Mm. Now, they're all pretty religious, and it is a religious <laughs> strip. No, the hug one's real. Uh, the fake one there was all that white stuff in the backyard must be God's old faithful come. See, you took a turn I wasn't cool. expecting there, Tim. Well, I think because of old come all ye faithful, I could see why a kid would flip that around. I get that. But that's not right. (laughs) Yeah. So this last one. um, So here's three. Can I have a cookie? In a minute always takes too long. I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. (laughs) We're going to go with the last one there. Yeah, that's right. That's from Fight Club. That's right. pretty good i'm sorry i guess i mean you won either way you only missed one i think yeah right? and that's because i got cocky i got way too cocky there so yeah family circus still still living on still still a strip still a thing that took me two hours <laughs> to uh I'm, to piece I'm glad you did it though because i i yeah. liked playing that game oh good well hopefully uh hopefully we'll never play it again on this show, but thank you for listening to this show. The show, of course, being 20th Century Popcast. If you're a fan of this show and you want to hear it every week, check out 20popcast.com. That's the website uh, where you can find out anything about the show you need to know. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, possibly other platforms by the time this airs. Check the website, it'll tell you. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You click on the Pop Talk page on 20popcast.com. Say pop a lot. Let us know something you want to hear. I'm blowing this horribly, so just contact me at, at subcultist on Twitter. Bob, please help me. Uh, yeah, I'm at uh, RH Canning on Twitter. You can reach me there. And I think you mentioned uh, hashtagging 20popcast. Um, you, oh, that's a good Yeah, idea. hashtag 20popcast uh, with any comments, questions, uh, or corrections. And uh, we'll talk about that on the show. Um, you can also uh, follow my um, webcomic. Speaking of comics, you can follow my webcomic. It's, uh, what the hell is my webcomic called? Uh, my Exaggerated Life. My Exaggerated Life, life but is it no, my, is, is it, I think it's just Exaggerated Life, not, like the webcomic is called My Exaggerated Life, but I think the website but is the Exaggerated website. Life. The family circle backslash yes please find it there yeah. just go to the check go to the page follow the link show notes yeah check the show notes and out. then uh, All right. i'll figure it out for the next one i'll get that right it's hard to believe we would have missed a week for this but yes I'm glad you listened <laughs> thanks for listening uh we'll be back next week i hope unless whatever caused us to air this one this week was dehabilitating to the globe uh but as always thanks thank you for listening this far 
chance, yeah.